Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. We're recording uh, the week between the divisional and the championship rounds of the NFL playoffs. So we're talking mid-January, a lot of stuff going on. The dynasty season is over. If you're playing in some uh, playoff leagues, those things might be still going on, but startup drafts and rookie draft preparations and trades and orphans and dispersal drafts all of those things are really what's dominating the landscape of dynasty at this point uh we're out of the head-to-head grind of of the season and into sort of the bigger picture which is a place that i really like to think about so uh, i'm going to be talking about some of those items in this podcast, uh, first, a couple announcements. The Analytics Dynasty 2020 edition will be on sale on Saturday, uh, January 18th. It'll be $30. Uh, a lot of different things in the Analytics Dynasty this year. Um, you know, so I've had people ask me, you know, is it, is it just the, is it basically the updated version of last year's stuff? Uh, no, it's completely different. Um, a lot of the stuff from the book is, um, is, inspired by conversations I had with owners the first time around, um, it's, uh, subscribers. When I f- sold the 2019 edition, uh, I did a lot of strategy sessions, one-on-one chats with people. Um, we talked team building, we talked concepts, we talked strategy, we talked a whole different variety of things. I, uh, I, took a lot from that uh, and reflected on that and tried to answer some of the questions that I, I got from those things. And anytime we have more conversations, the deeper conversations about Dynasty, different ideas come up, different thought processes sort of uh, work with me and I can sort of learn from them, take from them, um, do research and, and look at the data in a different way. I think a lot of the times, you know, you see these, the, the, discussions about analytics or you know what numbers say or all those things I think a lot of times you can look at numbers a lot of different ways I, I think sometimes di- looking at it different ways and looking for different things for it to tell you is a good guide so that's a lot of what this book is about looking at looking at data you know I test a lot of different narratives in this and a lot of things that are you know quote foundational strategies in dynasty uh, and I think a lot of them aren't right and I just think there's a lot of value in being I don't set out to be contrarian and uh, you know sometimes when you come to contrarian outcomes or contrarian beliefs or things that sort of go against the grain I think a lot of times that can have a, a somewhat negative connotation uh, it can have uh, people just think you're disagreeable or whatnot I, I come into this thing I'd rather I just want to know you know I just want to know um, you know what the hit rates are and what pedigree means and you know looking at the player values and player and values of picks and you know does consistency matter and like things like that and I, I think I come to a lot of different conclusions that I think are common um, and you know so even the hit rates and startup drafts like I see some sometimes you'll see some Twitter polls and you know it'll be it'll be people just sort of ragging on you know the the hit rate at the end of the first round of rookie drafts you know oh it's you know oh it's basically a coin flip like if I were to take the corresponding part in a startup draft and get a coin flip there whether or not the person hits and I could get a 50-50 shot I would be winning consistently so I think that that 
you know, where those picks fall, which would be about the end, you know, about the hundredth pick, uh, you know, ninth, tenth round, that type of range is typically where the end of the first round is. If I could get a 50-50 coin flip on, on that person being a fantasy starter, I would take that a hundred times over. And so that's just a common misconception with these picks. Um, I look a lot at the value rookie picks in a lot of different ways. Uh, and, um, you know, way, the way players progress and that's a big thing that I wanted to and I, I call it base rates just looking at the you know what the what a per- person's prior will tell you so a you know second round rookie pick who whiffs in round one or second round tight end who riffs whiffs in round one what's this hit rate look like you know what's that really do and and you know we're talking on averages but 20 years of averages what does that do to the person's hit rate what does that do to does it make them that much less likely to hit um, what happens if a player hits what does that do to their their future outcomes all of those different things are in the book i think they're really foundational in terms of how you look at players i think a lot of what we do and we spend you know six eight nine ten months of the season just having these debates on twitter about players and and you know this player or that player or you know here's why we don't like this player here's why we like this player all of those conversations they're great but i think when you really get down and try and look at the the players that you should select should reflect a successful strategy you know a proven strategy an effective strategy an efficient one you know where it's you're you're making consistently good decisions and the the players that you take should reflect that that good strategy and so that's a lot of what the book is in terms of how to identify players and it is not just a 2019 guide there's there's or excuse me a 2020 guide um similar to the way i wrote in 2019 in the 2019 version of the analytics of dynasty this isn't just a 2019 guide this isn't a you know like the magazine you might get in may june july that's you know here's your sleepers for 2019 and here's your ranks and those sorts of things this is anything but that this is big picture this is something you can buy look at um you know break down basically what i say see how that fits your team the type of league that you're in um you know look at you know there's big things in superflex for example in this book that i've never seen anyone talk about in terms of uh specific quarterback benchmarks that really tilt the needle and so uh, i look a lot at those things and you know you can use those things year over year and i think that's an important you know it's a it's a really important gauge for uh, for for Dynasty in general. So this isn't just a 2020 focus. This is a big picture focus. Same with the 2019 version. So if you, if you haven't got the 2019 version, you can still do that. Uh, and I still think it's topical. Uh, this isn't the same. It's not the same focus. Uh, it's very, very different focuses. But I think come to a lot of the same conclusions um, in terms of how to build more effective teams. So uh, a lot, about a quarter of the book is super flex strategy. Um, and I looked at a lot of different data a lot of different pedigree things, a lot of different ways to identify success, uh, ways to exploit efficiencies. It's a lot of different things for uh, Superflex and how to be an effective Superflex owner, which I wasn't able to do in the 2019 edition. So I'm uh, really, really, really excited about the Superflex chapter. And I look a lot at randomness. And I think randomness is, uh, it's, we think we know so much and we do we know a lot but there's so much that's out of our control there's so much that we can't uh, 
you know, dictate. There's so much that that is random in this entire uh, game that we love to play of Dynasty. And when you sort of embrace that fact, right, embrace the fact that hit rates are low um, and that randomness can be good, and embrace those facts, there's there's good value there. So I spend a lot of time talking about you know, just, just random outcomes and, and different ways to build teams and stuff like that. And I did a lot of simulations on, on team value and how teams break down when you just, if you were to just pick players randomly based on positions, just, just randomly without anything more, how that sort of makes your teams look. Uh, so all of that, it's, it was a, it's been a labor of love for the past, oh, probably nine months. I probably started in the springtime last year. Uh, I've been working consistently on it, trying different things. Finally finished it up on, uh, I think it was Tuesday this week. So it's been sitting there for a couple days and, uh, it's ready to go out on Saturday when the, when the deadline is. So, uh, you can find all that analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. You can get the 2020 edition for $30. It'll be in your inbox Saturday morning. It's done. It's ready to go. It's ready to fire Saturday morning. So, um, you, you can get that. You can sign up today, get it. And and if you're on the fence, I would just say you don't want, particularly if you play Superflex, you don't want to be in a draft or you don't want to be trading with someone that has access to the Superflex chapter uh, of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition. Um, why you don't? It's just a, it's, I think there's some really insightful things and I don't think, you know, I'll just say I looked at the market data on some startup ADP just yesterday, and I there's still value there. I'll just I'll put it that way, big time value in terms of some of these guys. So um, go ahead, get the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition uh, and the 2019 edition. If you haven't gotten that yet, time for on sale twenty dollars. Uh, you can get them both, and it's a lot of different strategies. The 2020 edition is more topical, more focused on on some, I would say, more in-depth, maybe like a 200 or 300 level course, and if you were to think of like a college course, I think the Analytics of Dynasty in 2019, the, the first book, is uh, anyone can use it, but I think if you were looking for a more 100 level course, start there. You know, if you're, if you're brand new to Dynasty, I think that's probably the place to start, and then you graduate to the 2020 edition, but uh, the 2019 edition is still topical, it is still on point, and I wouldn't, you know, the, the research from this and, the, and what happened in 2020, in 2019, um, and the stuff that I put in the 2020 book, I, I wouldn't back down from anything I said in 2019. So all of that I think is still good. Uh, it, is, it is all still good data and all still good stuff. It's a year old, but it's 10 years of data history. So it's, it wasn't just a, a study of the season. So you can get both those things, analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. If you have any questions, you can uh, hit me on Twitter at Dynasty in regards to any of that. In addition, I've been doing uh, a Patreon channel, which has been great. Um, I, a lot of different things in the Patreon world. I, I am new to doing my own podcasting. Uh, I do podcasting with UTHDynasty.com. Chad Parsons and I get together every Tuesday night. It's um, in season. We talk about running backs. Out of season right now, we're just doing uh, rookie previews, talking about player profiles and everything like that. Uh, so that was always good, right? But I never had my own podcast, never had my own audio form. It was just basically 
sitting in a room by myself writing. And so I went the Patreon route, uh, and I'm doing this podcast, but I went the Patreon route as well. And it's surprising. Like, uh, it'll be, I'll just sit down at night and I'll be like, I want to record. And it's just a great format to get stuff out. Um, I've done an entire preview of free agency on the AFC, four different, four different episodes already, all four divisions uh, in the AFC. I think some really, really interesting teams. I broke them down by position, talked about draft pedigree that they have, cap space, potential cuts, potential deep stashes, all of those things. Um, I also have done a couple of Inside the Writers' Rooms. I think one of them has been released. Another one's coming out later this week. Uh, that's just stuff that I left on the, you know, that, that didn't get off the cutting board. So it's stuff that I wrote for the Analytics of Dynasty 2020. Um, and I just, I didn't find a natural spot in the book for it. Uh, so, uh, a lot of stuff about trading in there, some team building stuff, uh, that, that's been, uh, really good to sort of use what I wrote that didn't make the book. Uh, so I've done a uh, thing on user questions. I broke down the density chapter of my book, which was, uh, it's, it's one of my favorites. I, I, every time I talk about a chapter, I call it one of my favorites. I just, I just like the whole thing cause it's my, my own product. Um, we did a startup draft prep session with a really, really interesting format uh, with one of my, with one of the subscribers. It's a fascinating format. I think a really, really interesting way that fantasy value can be derived in that format. So you can check all that out. Analysticdynasty.com starts at four dollars a month. We also have a, a group me chat. Uh, it's a higher level subscription, uh, but it's a group me chat. We're in there talking dynasty, talking uh, football, watching the games together. It was funny. I, was, I wasn't I was paying particularly close attention to the AFC and NFC championship games, uh, or the divisional games. On, I think it was Sunday, and I kept getting all these text messages in the, in the group me chat uh, from people keeping me updated, and I was like, i got to turn this stuff on. So um, it, was, uh, it was wild, particularly during the Houston game. So um, that's a, a great forum. I, I love doing that and just talking with – with folks and um, you know breaking stuff down, so it's good. Uh, we got multiple drafts going on in there right now in terms of subscribers. So always something new going on and, and good stuff. Um, all right, let's talk bigger picture dynasty. Uh, we're into January. You know, like I said, I think this is a good time to think big picture, and I really like in this time of the year. And this is I intentionally release the analytics of dynasty in January for a purpose, um, which is I, I want people thinking big picture I think it's important to think big picture uh, we can get bogged down on players and you know specific player values for months and that's fine like that's good like that's part of the fun of of dynasties picking the right guys but I, I really think that coming at it from a big picture perspective is is really important so I, that's why I really see analytics of dynasty now it's that we have a big picture uh, perspective on what's going to happen um, of, of you know strategic thinking strategically right now so one of the things that I really like to do is I like to read different things listen to different podcasts like I turn into some finance podcasts some you know some different educational things I'll get an audio book or I'll get a, I'll read a different book um, you know one of the things I did this time last year was I read Astro Ball which was fantastic um, they didn't include the cheating chapter in it so maybe there'll be an update to the book but well, it's a lot of different, that was team building, and I've incorporated some concepts 
uh, into my own process now based on that book and some of the things that I learned. So just different, just different types of things to look at at this point. Um, so for specific rookie drafts, you know, we're looking at Senior Bowl that's coming up in about a week. Uh, I would say I've been to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I scouted the Senior Bowl. It would have been 2017 was the year that I went. That was the Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard class. Um, Kareem Hunt was there. Uh, Nathan Peterman was a notable quarterback. Um, but there were some receivers, uh, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds was of note. Um, someone else was there that uh, that I can't, can't place. Uh, Tywan Taylor was there. Jamal Williams was there. So it was a it was a class of some interesting guys. Um, one thing I would say, if you're, I think it's important to pay attention to the Senior Bowl. Um, but I would just say, generally, I wouldn't draw too much conclusion off of what happens, you know, what one person says on Twitter or anything like that. I mean, I was there watching practice every day and, um, you would think it's in Alabama in January. So it's like, it would be warm outside, which is the mistake that I made. And it was actually freezing, especially at night. Like it would be like in the, in the fifties. And when you're sitting there watching it, it's breezy and it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's chilly. Um, but I hung out there all, all the practices. It was there all the practices and stayed for the games. And I'll just tell you, like I would flip on Twitter or I would read a recap of, you know, what, what someone had wrote based off what they saw on Twitter about it. And, uh, and some of it's far fetched and not in reality. Um, and I think that sometimes these things, um, they can be just observing some of the, some of the bigger names, I would say, uh, it's more of a social session. Um, it is more of a, um, some of the people on national platforms, it turns into, um, you know, catching up with people they haven't seen in a while or catch, you know, catching up with old friends or former colleagues or former teammates or those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, I remember one in specific, uh, specific incident where, uh, one of the, uh, it was a big name person on a big, on a bigger platform, um, you know, was commenting about a player. And I just said, I remember watching when that player was doing one-on-one drills and the person was in the corner, you know, where I was, you know, 50 yards behind me having a conversation, you know, back behind the bleachers with an old colleague. And I just, I said, what was he seeing? You know? And so just be careful about the information that you take and don't, you know, don't take too much movement from any, any one tweet or anything, anything like that. Um, you know, I think the video, when the people put out videos of stuff, like you can make your own judgment based on that. But when you see, you know, this player's rising, this player's falling, I'd be pretty tepid on that because I, and you really be selective about who you trust. Um, so that's coming up. We're still monitoring declarations. The deadline's coming up soon. Um, I, I just this week, uh, uh, Edwards, uh, Hilaire out of the running back out of uh, uh, LSU declared um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, he is uh, I think a really interesting prospect um, Justin Jefferson also declared one of the younger players in this class him and Cam Akers are going to be a couple of the younger players in this draft we'll be able to drink on draft night type uh, type ages so um, 
really, really young. Uh, I haven't gotten to break down a ton of players yet. I'm focusing on running backs at this point. We'll get to receivers. I think so much of what happens for receivers is pedigree-based. So you sort of it sort of weeds itself out as the process goes along a little bit. Um, so I always start with running backs, um, but just Justin Jefferson has a really intriguing profile to me just based on some of the stuff that I've seen um, of his tape and of some of the early metrics that I've been looking at. Um, I'm really intrigued about him, so I think he could be a potential round one guy, so we'll see. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, starting to watch tape. Uh, that's a good January thing to do. And, I, you know, one thing that I'm really pledging to myself this year is to be more open in terms of the range of outcomes on players. Probably to a fault, uh, in prior years, I wrote off players that were third, fourth, fifth round rookie pick type valuations and said, you know, early in the processes, I don't think much of them. And then, you know, uh, Corey Clements, a guy like that, uh, that I sort of wrote off after the senior bowl when we were there, that was, he was one of the players that was there the year I was, I went and, you know, he became a player in Philly, I wouldn't say he was a high-level fantasy guy or anything like that, but I sort of wrote off that potential outcome a little early, uh, so I'm, I'm more open to ranges of outcomes on players um, and, and sort of identifying what their possible scope could be and what um, you know what type of profile I see them doing in the NFL. So when I'm watching tape at this point, I'm writing down notes on that. Um, and it's pretty wide. It's pretty wide at this point because we don't know a ton about these guys. Um, and so I'm not one. To, I'm not one to write off any sort of um, big. You know, I'm not one to completely write off a player or um, lock a player in pen at some point right now. I'm keeping a wide range of possible outcomes on these players and, and sort of thinking bigger picture about how they might fit into the NFL um, within a range of what their potential, uh, what their tape says, what their metrics say at this point. Um, and then, you know, once draft pedigree comes, it either confirms or moves that potential uh, range of outcomes that you have. But I think it, it sort of is a better process at this point than to just lock in a player with, with what your take is on them. So, because pedigree is really important about how players end up. Um, with existing teams, uh, I'm looking to do what we call package up deals, uh, slide, you know, use players to slide up the board, uh, accumulate additional picks. Um, I like to go third to second at this point, you know, get a player that I, I don't, I don't think much of and try and move from third to second round rookie picks. I love doing those types of deals. Those are historically good for me. Uh, but I think rookie drafts, especially in Superflex this year, it's going to be pretty good into the second and even in the third round. There's some running backs, I think, that are going to be really good in, in this late second, early third, late third round, even even regular drafts, but super flex and two tight end formats and all of those things. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of value, especially if the, the wide receiver position is going to produce five, six first round draft picks. I think that's going to be something that we haven't we've seen in in 2014 we saw the big wide receiver class but we haven't seen it recently so i'm i'm not sure and we're in a very running back heavy type world whereas that point we weren't um and so i i wonder how that sort of breaks for the class uh, i think that probably creates uh, a lot of value at the at the running back position late 
in the first round into the second round of these drafts. So I'm, if I had to put a peg on what I think this class is going to turn out to be, I think it's probably going to be a, um, a, a a running back class where you can get running backs late into the first round and you know you finished 110, 111, 112 uh, rookie pick and you're adding uh, a high-end asset. It's going to be a good year to have been a contender. Uh, I just think just from a 30,000 foot view of this class. But sliding up will give you the opportunity to make those types of picks as the draft goes on. I'm not making any drastic deals at this point. Um, you know, I've I've inquired on some bigger deals, uh, have been shot down. I haven't done anything big at this point. Um, but at this point, I'm not I'm not bailing on players, uh, especially higher end guys. Uh, I don't want to make any drastic any any drastic overpays for you know contenders uh, for 2020 because we're so far out from the season. You know, let's let it simmer a little bit. Let's do some study of players bigger picture and sort of see what we can identify in terms of value um but i, I don't you know a guy like joe mixon seems to be hot right now and, and i i get that the rationale for all of that and i sort of have thought 2020 was going to be a better year than 2019 since you know the middle of 2019 for him but he's a player that's hot right now and i just i don't want to go out and buy that at this point um because who knows what's going to happen over the next six to nine months it's this probably can't get much he's not going to go up in terms of you know if he's a round one round two turn type guy right now in, in super flex dra- or in and you know start one drafts if that's where he's going to fall um i don't see a ceiling much higher than that in terms of where he could fall later on in the calendar so i just I'm not going to make a drastic move. There's a lot of downside on that, so I'm not going to make a drastic move for a for a, a type of player like that. Um, and again, studying efficiencies, monitoring ADPs. It's small sample size at this point, but there's a lot of predictiveness. And I looked at the ADP for uh, DLF going back however long they have it. And I think it's five years. I might go back to like 2015, 2014, something like that. Uh, and I just compared January to September. And there's a lot of predictiveness. Like <laughs> it predicts a lot of January ADP predicts a lot of um, September ADP. And I think there's reasons for that. The strategic or, uh, you know, structural. Um, but I think it's uh, you know, a lot of times when, when these prices get sort of written down on paper, uh, and then, you know, you're doing your next mock drafts, you know, three weeks later, they, people are drafting off that list and that number becomes sticky month over month. And so you sort of just see that. Um, so those things are already getting baked into players' costs early. And so, um, monitoring those things, looking to see where potential tier breaks are. I'll just tell you, it's, I think there's there's value in the quarterback market right now there's value in the quarterback market so um so we're monitoring those sorts of things um the last part of the show that i really want to get into talking about is the is the tight end position for free agencies if you haven't listened we did quarterbacks running backs receivers uh, breaking down the tight end uh, breaking down free agency uh, breaking down tight end this week to round out all four skill positions. Um, I am more open, and I, I really think um, the tight end position is, is one of the more interesting positions sort of as we continue to go forward because we're, we're in a post-Grock, post-Gates, post-Gonzalez, post, um, you know, th- those three Hall of Famers, 
and we're in the twilight of Jason Witten's career and the twilight of Jimmy Graham's career. And like when you look at those guys, they took up like 30% of the top 12 seasons from basically in this decade up through 2018. And when you just think about that, like Gronkowski was hurt a couple of times in there, but you know, Gates hasn't played in a couple of those seasons and Witten retired at one point and came back and Gonzalez was, has been retired for a while now, but those guys were so dominant at the position, you know, 30% of the, uh, it's just over 30% of the top 12 seasons were attributed to just those five guys. And so now we're not in that anymore, right? We're in a different, we're in a different world. And I think the pedigree is going to be different. Um, you know, I think the, it's funny to me, the prior, um, I looked at a lot at, you know, at the prior history of, of positions and, and NFL draft pedigree and all those things. And of all of the positions, I think that's probably the one that I'm more open to the prior history being wrong on. Uh, just because I think we're in a different world in terms of how the, the tight end position is going to function. So a lot of different, you know, a lot of different uh, valuations and, and, and ranges of outcomes for players and different pedigrees. And you, know, you see it with a guy like Darren Waller this year and, you know, Gesicki starts bad and then uh, comes on late in the season and people had written him off. Uh, and was just a good pedigree buy. You know, I'm not a huge, wasn't a huge fan of the player, wasn't a huge fan of the profile coming out of college, but the day two pedigree thing is real. Um, the round two pedigree at tight end is real. And you sort of saw that, whereas in a prior season where there's a stronger you know those stronger players up at the top. It might not. Have, it might have been harder for a guy like Mike Asiki to to slide into being the tight end twelve, right? With basically a a, a half a season of production, uh, a, a most of his production happening in in you know half of the season. So that that wasn't a possible. That was a less likely outcome in prior years. So. Um, you know, I'm open to those types of ideas more and more. Tyler Higby coming on, right? Um, you know, those sorts of things are more possible now uh, for impact than they have been in past years. So I'm more open to different types of players hitting, um, free agency mattering. I like these two tight end leagues because it sort of puts an emphasis on the position, similar to the way Superflex and two QB leagues have done. And, you know, to the quarterback position, tight end is similar where you're getting you know, more tight end leagues, more premium leagues. I don't think the, you know, the one and a half points per reception leagues really move the needle that much. You know, when you look at warp and those sorts of things, it doesn't really move the needle a ton in terms of positional value. Um, it, it, it just, it makes them score more points, but doesn't really change the, the replacement levels or those sorts of stats. And so when people in a 1.5, for example, move a uh, 1.5 PPR for tight ends, move players up the board multiple rounds. I, I sort of struggle with that because it's not it's not really how value works. Um, value is more more internal to the position, um, and that that's more the way that you should look at those types of things. How much does the baseline move? Is it really affecting different players? Those sorts of things. But when you get into a two tight end situation, you're, you're rostering a lot more tight ends. A lot more guys are relevant, uh, and just down the line, look at it, some of these guys. Uh, it's it's I, I think the most fun format because it, it brings in a lot of different guys it just brings in so many more guys and so many more different valuations it's just it's really interesting so the the tight end class um 
you, it's I, free agency this entire year is pretty fascinating. I think uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, I was looking at some of his numbers because on the Patreon side, I was just breaking down the AFC West last night. I did my AFC West recording last night. Um, I think there's a really reasonable projection that Hunter Henry could be the second highest paid tight end per year uh, in, you know, when we get to August, right? Unrestricted free agent. You look at some of the guys up at the top of the board, uh, at the top of the the tight end pay scale right now, uh, and there's some cuttable guys in terms of, you know, in terms of cost and in terms of uh, what their numbers are, uh, guys like Kyle Rudolph, who could be um, in in line for a pay cut or to be cut, um, you know, just that's that's just a um, uh, not you know ten million dollars approaching it for some for a, a player like that is just it's it's just a lot. So um, you know, you're you I'm looking at more of these things, and um, you know, Jimmy Graham is due is is p- being. At ten million dollars a year, he's not really worth that. Yeah, Rudolph's just just north of nine. Um, Jordan Reed, nine and a half, uh, almost nine and a half million. Kelsey, just a little bit above that. He's just short of nine and a half. He's at nine point four, essentially nine point four million. Jordan Reed's at nine point three uh, five. So, um, and Graham is right at ten. Um, Olson up there as well. He's a potential retire candidate. But like when you look at this. Uh, Hunter Henry's projecting about, I think it was Spotrack projected him to be worth about ten million e- or uh, about nine between, uh, right around nine million a year, uh, and that's going to be like, it could very well be the second highest paid tight end, and um, right behind Kelsey. So, uh, you know, I I think there's a reasonable possibility he leaves the Chargers. I think they're of the of the teams that I've done so far. I think they're one of the more interesting. Uh, they have a, a truly a two-way go. They can either try and contend. I think they've got a lot of a lot of pieces that that they could contend. They had some bad variants this year. They probably lost a couple of games. I mean, no team loses games between them and the Broncos or them and the Buccaneers. Uh, no team finds more ways to lose weird games than those two teams. So um, they could have been more of like an eight and eight team if you just look at their their uh, points scored and points allowed. They were just about even, uh, just a slight. Um, you know, they were just slightly outscored. I think it was less than 10 points. So um, they could really be competitive, but Rivers is a free agent. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon's a free agent. Uh, Hunter Henry's a free agent. So they could move on, create some space, try and do some rebuilding. I could see that. Uh, I could see them also trying to bring you know, Rivers and Henry back and extending Henry long term. And they've got core pieces on this team. Um but Henry's going to command, I think, nine, ten million dollars. I don't think that's unreasonable. And you know, if they, how does that fit in with with resigning Rivers or what they're going to do at quarterback? I think that's a really, really interesting thing to watch. Um, Austin Hooper as well. He's a free agent, uh, coming off a big year, then was injured a little bit, but two really good back-to-back years. Uh, so. Uh, the Falcons don't have a ton of cap space, uh, so he's a potential guy that could walk. I think he's probably more of a, he was more of a benefactor of situation than he is a true talent guy, um, but he's produced multiple seasons of top 12 production. That's, that's pretty good for a tight end. Uh, and so, you know, he's still in his mid-20s. He's going to project probably to do that again uh so but i'm watching it'll be important to watch where where he ends up as well i think there's a reasonable chance both of those guys are playing someplace else next year 
<coughs> Jason Witten, also a free agent. You figure he's either back in Dallas or retires. Um, you know that that'll be a notable thing. Might be one of those things that goes into the off season in terms of um, you know um, a discussion about that. There was a, some talk that he might be in line to be the Cowboys coach. That obviously didn't come to fruition, but um, he's on an interesting track with his broadcasting and all of that stuff. So. Um, Darren Fells also is a free agent uh, with the Texans. They've addressed the position multiple times on day two in recent years, and Fells was probably their best tight end this year. So uh, off the basically off the scrap heap of free agency. So um, notable there in terms of maybe one of those day two guys can can uh, Kahali Waring or Jordan Aikens can can develop into into something uh if fells leaves it'll be an indication on how they think of the position um jacob hollister's a restricted free agent sort of broke out after bouncing around a little bit in his career broke out with the seahawks he's a pretty clear sell to me in terms of you know we'll see what the market brings he's probably not going to get a second round draft pick straight up second round rookie pick straight up but he could be a third to a second guy could maybe move up around uh that's something that would interest me Tyler Eifert is a day one, a former round one pick, been plagued with injuries. Uh, he's still 30, uh, and it seems like he's been, he seems like he's older than that, but he is 30. Uh, he's, could he be a potential exploratory pick, you know, one of the prove it type deals? Um, he's a player that, I, you know, if he's healthy, I think he's capable of putting up a top 12 season. The big if there is if he's healthy. So we'll watch where he goes. Uh, ben Watson retired. Good career. I actually wrote a pretty good book about parenting too. So read that in the uh, the preparation for my daughter coming a couple years ago. He was pretty insightful on some different things. So if you're a parent to be, that's an interesting book to check out. Just figured I would plug that. Really interesting career, Ben Watson. Um, Blake Jarwin, restricted free agent. He's notable if if Whit- Witten's gone. Um, is you know Blake Jarwin had some has some big playability uh, and. In that offense, I'm pretty bullish on the Cowboys' offense long term, especially if they when they get Dak back under contract, uh, which I expect will happen. I think Cooper's a, a reasonable chance to hit the free agency market, depending on what happens with Dak, uh, whether they have to tag him or not. But they're in a interesting cap spot uh, between both of those guys. Can only tag one of them, so it's a competition of who who they're going to get under contract. Uh, Blake Bell. As a little bit of a journeyman, he's uh, a free agent out of the Chiefs as well. Ross Dwelly is an exclusive rights free agent, probably is back in the 49ers. Played, I think played well. He flashed during the preseason with the 49ers, played well in, uh, when Kittle missed some time. Uh, so he's one of my favorite you know, stashes in terms of like a two tight end format. Eric Ebron only played 30% of the snaps this year, but was hurt, ended up on IR. Chris Ballard, their GM, was very, um, I guess dismissive is the best word to say, uh, about the idea of bringing Eric Ebron back. It was very, uh, basically like, nope, we're going to let him walk. Um, essentially said that with, uh, I, maybe it was a little bit more polite than I just did, but that's, a uh, uh, as close to paraphrasing as I can get on that, it was very, it was very dismissive in terms of letting him walk. Still in his late twenties, uh, he's twenty-seven right now, and um, I, you know, as a as a former round one guy, when these guys hit, I mean, the, it's still a good 
good chance that he can go someplace and produce. So uh, he he will be twenty set. He will play next year at twenty seven. He's twenty six now. So um, I still I still like him to potentially go someplace. Uh, you know, I always think of depressed pedigree guys. Where do they end up? Always seems like it's in Foxborough. So, uh, but I think he's a, a reasonable bet to end up uh, posting a uh, another fantasy viable or couple fantasy viable seasons. Um, Going down the list, some additional guys, some lower um, snap guys from this year. Ricky Seals-Jones is a restricted free agent in Cleveland. Uh, what happens with Joku, that situation could be pretty interesting. New front office, new coaching staff. He was in the doghouse of the old ones. They keep doing this thing where they go back and forth between analytics and not. Uh, my friend Tim Torch over at UTH uh, was... Um, tweeted out basically uh, about a good thing they're going back to analytics and I just I just commented and, and replied somewhat sarcastically why would they do that just so that way they in two years once they sort of strip the team back uh, to an efficient build that they just fire everyone and go back to a John Dorsey type situation. I mean, just they're hapless in terms of their front office and any lack of vision. Um, you know, they could by just reading sort of the, the money ball or astro ball, just sort of the, the vision and the clarity, the organizational clarity, they would be well-deserved to read something like that, just about how they thought about team building. Um, just looking down the line, a guy like uh, Lance Kendricks has been bounced around the league a little bit. He's a free agent. Maybe lands with a, a another team and potentially plays a reserve role. That's just something I always watch for with a guy like him uh, who has played and uh, showed some signs at different points in his career for like a two tight end special. Um, but that's that's pretty much the big names, the tight end position in terms of free agents. Um, I think the you know the the big stories. I think really Ebron and um, you know where does Tyler Eifert end up and Hunter Henry and Hooper. I mean, there's some bigger names in free agency this year. And you know, whether I th- you know the quarterback's a big position, but you know Amari Cooper's a a big one at receiver. And um, but the tight end position is interesting with multiple guys who have top twelve uh, pedigree and they're not they're not washed up. And you know they're top twelve producers and, and aren't washed up it's a it's it's a, uh, a potentially lucrative situation for some of these tight ends entering free agency so um, that'll do it for this episode uh, I'm gonna wrap up uh, the, our free agency review on the, the tight end position again you can check out all the stuff I might do an additional podcast this weekend uh, when the when the analytics dynasty hits um, just talking about that a little bit more, but you can go over to analyticsdynasty.com slash shop, get the book, $30, it's a 2020 edition, got all the super flex stuff, all the stuff we talked about before, 2019 editions on sale still uh, for $20, you can get that, um, and uh, if you have any uh, questions or any anything, hit me, on, hit me on DM, I'm constantly looking at Twitter and all those sorts of things, uh, if you have questions about the book, shoot me a DM. I have no problem answering questions and I have a table of contents if you want to see it, those sorts of things. So um, never a problem talking to me there. Uh, and if you want more more content, more uh, audio content, I'm probably going to just go record a Patreon show now just because it's 
I'm just sort of uh, addicted is the wrong word, but uh, it's just fun to talk about this stuff. And the new platform, I just I, I like doing it. So I'm never a shortage of content over there. Uh, if you're if you're a dynasty or a champion uh, Patreon uh, Patreon member, um, got the three different levels uh, over there for all for all the different types of content. So go check that out. Patreon.com/slash/AnalyticsDynasty. Thanks again for tuning in. I uh, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the uh, championship weekend, the senior bowl, all the fun stuff that's coming up in dynasty. It's a good time of year. Um, I always like the off season a little bit more than the regular season anyways. Uh, regular season is such a grind and you know, it's, 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 uh, uncool to complain about it. I know, but, uh, just so much going on that this is the time to think big picture and you're doing different things and I think it's more active and you can get, do more trading and drafting and those sorts of things. It's a fun time to be a dynasty owner. So hope you're enjoying all that. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.